This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, everybody. We're back for another commission podcast. We've taken a little hiatus from these because of our busy schedule, but it's time to get back on this horse. Indeed. Uh, this time, it's going to be A History of Violence, which is a David Cronenberg film that I had not seen before. Um, I think you had seen it when it came out? Yeah. Like I in 2005? Saw it, I saw it when it came out. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I hadn't seen a lot of adult movies by that time. <laughs> and uh, is one of the first kind of, mm. like, as I was coming out of, uh, you know, my religious imposition of seeing rated R movies. Yeah. And I remember, uh, and, and a lot of contemporary views talk about how shocking the violence was in this movie. I found that when I rewatched it, it's fairly tame. Like I'm the re- violence. Yeah. Uh, I, no, I mean it's we'll, it's extreme. We'll talk about it's, it. It's, it's but... extreme, but I feel like that over the last ten years, hmm. you know, yeah. it, I'm just getting slowly desensitized to graphic, uh, cinematic violence. Sure, I can totally buy that. Uh, this one was commissioned by Keith A. I'm gonna I'm gonna call him. I don't know if we use last names in this. But we usually do. Go for it. We do. Oh my God, Keith Alejandro. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he said, "Hey guys, I really need you to check out this film." I see Keith kicking around on Facebook a lot. Sure, yeah, I've seen him. Recognize the name. Recognized uh, his uh, baby faced avatar. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so thank you very much. Big shout out to Keith for commissioning this. What did you think ultimately about this film, having seen it twice now? You know, it's interesting that you've got this intense, ultra-violent movie that's also mostly works on the level of a quiet character study. Yeah. Yeah, I've really not seen anything like this before. I mean, I... Mean, I... This is, uh, I mean, this this is a this is a movie I've seen a lot of times. Um, like you know, uh, going back to John Wayne's A Quiet Man, uh, a man with a his <laughs> okay, sure. No, I'm saying like yeah. you know, a man with a, a history of violence tries to run away and go to as far away as he can get to some idyllic lifestyle, blends in, and then he's brought back into this world of violence. Hmm. All right. Now it's interesting with David Cronenberg, which I'm not familiar with a lot of his works. Um, I was mentioning uh, we're talking about uh, Viggo Mortensen, yeah. Mortensen, Aragorn, Mortensen, son of yeah. Arathorn, uh, that he was in Eastern Promises, and I was talking about how just like terrifying he was in that movie. Uh, and I was surprised when I was looking that David Cronenberg uh, directed that one too. So he mm-hmm. must have had a love affair with the uh, Dunedain. I guess so. Um, yeah, I've never seen that movie. Made lots of Lord of the that. Ring jokes in this movie, especially in the early going sure. before it started getting intense. Yeah, you know, like uh, she she at, after the you know Ed Harris shows up and scares the family the first time. She's like, "I'm going to call Sam." A lot of Samwise Gamgee jokes. Yeah, the thing that was different about this for me, and maybe it's you know a consequence of it not being made in the last ten years, mm. is that I expected this movie at some point to get a little more gonzo than it did like i didn't realize what i was in for necessarily 
when I started this film and you've got this really quiet character study, like you said, um, it, it's very, it's very contemplative for a guy who has a past in the mob and is a killer. Yeah. It's, it's a very contemplative film. I was also looking for a twist. Sure. Like something that mm-hmm. was going to explain, but it's, the movie <laughs> is exactly what it purports to be the entire time it's unfolding. There is no yeah. deep mystery to the plot that's going to be like, oh, okay, well, I see why this makes sense. There's no mistaken identity. There's no – I mean, this guy played this so convincingly. I remember thinking yes. that he's like an amnesiac. We were going to get like a memento story mm-hmm. where he slowly uh, – or, or uh, um, you know, uh, uh, shit, Total Recall type movie where this guy unlocks his history or a Jason Bourne. We see that a lot. Sure. But this is a guy who for whatever reason – we don't really understand why – extremely violent person uh a very savage person even by Mm -hmm. violent underworld type standards yeah barbed wire to the eye has some kind of moment of clarity when he runs from his latest uh atrocity decides to completely turn his uh, life around in a three-year span Mm -hmm. uh, retire to a very small town in indiana which i enjoyed sure i had a lot of visceral thrills because at one point his wife early on uh, dons a high school cheerleader uniform that looks exactly like <laughs> the Mooresville pioneer uh-huh. cheerleader uniform from my, my high school days sure. down to the color scheme, the design. It wouldn't be surprised if he bought it from fucking eBay. Yeah. Uh, from, from a Mooresville high school cheerleader, but apparently it was Millbrook. I, I don't think Millbrook. I think is it's a, a fictional town. Place. Yeah. Because I, I couldn't find a Millbrook, Indiana. I, I tried to see how long it would take to drive to uh, Pittsburgh or not. I'm sorry, not Pittsburgh. Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in Pennsylvania. So you talked a little bit about the performances. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the thing that really sells this movie. Otherwise, it doesn't work. I mean, if, if Ed Harris rolls in there and Viggo Mortensen isn't able to keep up the act that is Tom, uh, I, the jig is immediately up. Sure. I found myself an hour into this movie genuinely considering whether uh-huh. or not he was, in fact, the guy that Ed Harris says he was. Sure. And I thought, you know, that's just a testament to how good these guys are. Mm-hmm. Um, his wife is also excellent, uh, Edie. Mm-hmm. Her, what is her name? Maria? Maria Bello. Bello? Okay. Uh, she's fantastic as well. I thought the kids were really good, too. Sure. Like everybody in this film. Now, one guy really looks like job. a young Jesse Einhorn. Or what's uh, Einhorn? Eisenberg? Eisenberg, Jesus. Yeah. Einhorn. Uh, Eisenberg, Einhorn, is it? Because I'm mixing it up with Heisenberg now. Einhorn <laughs> is the... Yes. Intersexed uh, female Football detective player. from Ace Ventura. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Finkel is Einhorn. L- Lace is out. Uh huh. Yep. <laughs> um, no, I, I thought it was him, but it's not. And I thought he looked so familiar. But the only thing I could have possibly seen him in is he played, looks like a it's a eight episode stretch in Boston Legal. Okay. Yeah. But I do not remember his character at all. Uh, but he, he is really good. And the, the thing about Vigo is that. He can play like scenery chewing villain, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, in Navy Seal. Uh, he can play just a, a mythic hero in Lord of the Rings. He's got uh, a gentleness and compassionate to him, but he's also got this really hard edge. And he's yeah. a very like striking, Liam Mason, right? Yeah, he's got a very striking physical look to him. Yeah, like definitely. And that dichotomy about him works really well mm-hmm. because when the movie needs him to be this everyman who's not. I mean, he's living this quiet Midwestern life, but he seems genuinely happy. He's got a family who loves him, and he loves his wife, and mm-hmm. still a lot of passion in the marriage, uh, as evidenced by the uh, cheerleader outfit. Uh-huh. Uh, 
<laughs> but then when they need him to turn that corner and become like this hardcore killer, like what? It, so I expected. I'd forgotten the whole last arc. I when I was watching it, I was genuinely surprised with his brother. Uh, yeah, yeah. I okay. I thought Ed Harris was the big bad, and I was trying I to remember too. how. And when he got and, shot in like the middle of the movie, I'm like, well, fuck. What are they gonna do? Send bigger bads after him? Sure, sure. But um, what I was wondering what you thought uh, when. In, in the very first scene where you've got uh, Quinn from Homeland and Night Owl the first from the Watchmen movie, and they're these gunmen, uh-huh. and they come into this coffee shop to stick the place up. What did you think when uh, Vigo cleaned house? Were you surprised by that? Were you... You know, they did a they did just good enough of a job there playing it off like anybody would have done this, and anybody could have done this. Uh Yes, he moved around kind of like a choreographed badass, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't ready to write it off as that because the rest of the film, everything hanging around it was kind of just normal. Yeah. And I didn't know – I knew nothing about this movie going into it, so that helped a lot. I saw in – I assume you read Roger Ebert's review. I did. He talked about Dave – Excellent as always. Talking to David Cronenberg – who said that there the history of violence title was meant to be taken three ways once as you know that's you, a lot of times you hear that when they're talking about perpetrators or criminals it's like this guy has a history of violence which he does yeah. they also talk about it in the terms of like humanity throughout human history it's been a history of violence mm-hmm. and also he talked about in a broader evolutionary like survival of the fittest role which seems to be yeah. what really is interesting to david cronenberg uh, the transformative effects of violence. And also the fact that, you know, Cronenberg's made his bones in like body horror. He's frequently cited as like the progenitor of the body horror genre. Okay. Something is inside you changing you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's an illness. It's a parasite. It's something like that. Like the, the, the fly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought that there's a little bit of that psychologically. Uh, there is certainly, and they they do a lot of things that I'm not sure I quite understand. Um, like the dream, you, know, you open up with his daughter having a bad dream. She dreams if if monsters are really real and if they exist or not. Shadow monsters, yeah. Then he's talking to his uh, fry cook at the diner, and he says uh, the 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 woman, most memorable woman he's ever been with, is one that used to attack her in her sleep. That she would have these dreams and convince that he was a killer, and like at one point she stabbed him with a fork. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at one point, Ed Harris asked Tom, whose real name is Joey, when you dream, do you dream as Tom or do you dream as Joey? And I thought those are all very interesting yeah. questions, but I don't think they actually went anywhere towards the plot. It's just something to make you think about. Well, yeah. So, I mean, the plot, no. I don't think they get they get to the plot there. They get to the more philosophical questions of this movie. Um you know that that history of violence but also i think there at least something i'm taking away from it is kind of the choice to embrace or get past that history of violence that sort of um you know tendency that humanity has um uh, the violent streak that we have mm-hmm. can can you choose like he's trying to do becoming tom to leave that behind sure. and become more than just a violent society also it solves their problems that way. The whole American hero angle where everybody was just, you, you know, this, I think America tends to celebrate uh, 
a righteously violent resolution to something. Yeah. You know, like World War II, where you go and destroy Hitler, mm-hmm. uh, or a guy who protects his fam, stands his ground against a, 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 a criminal that's there to do them ba- the ill. It's interesting in this movie because Tom, it's not like he's an innocent family man who's being attacked out of nowhere. This is violent sure. retribution for crimes that he has committed. Yeah. And it kind of turns that whole American hero thing on its edge. Like, would any thug in, you know, the Al Capone days or bring it towards Baltimore in the wire days, would any of those people be hailed as an American hero for protecting themselves against someone wanting to kill them when they themselves are criminals who have killed other people? Sure. It's less likely. Sure. If they knew his past, that they would be that interested in his present. What did you think of his wife and kids' reaction to the reality that he is some I, I've been trying to think about what that would be like that you, yes. you're you living with a man for 17 plus years you father two children with him and you find out that you know he's kind of like you don't really know a lot about his past because he talks about adoptive parents that aren't real and he's got a different name and I felt it was weird that how angry like I could see like that shaking your worldview and you being confused and it taking a while to process, but I was surprised by the anger that both his son and her greeted the the fact that he is this kind of deadly killer. You know, Did I that bother you? I I mostly agree with you there. I think the redeeming factor for that is that the violence was now right at their doorstep. Uh, may, maybe they felt like you know a little more betrayed by that. Because he was hiding something that could directly affect his family. Yeah, but they didn't – I didn't think they did a good job connecting that. Like if she's like, I can't believe you brought this violence and death on our doorstep. But it's more just like, I can't believe you yeah. lied to me. Well, what would be the alternative? First date? Uh, yeah, I've murdered a dozen people. I ripped out a dude's eye with Bob barbed wire. Sure. It, it's something he's clearly trying to live down as well. Sure. Like, I don't think he wants back into – the thing that he's put back into. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, it's a good question. I think that was one of the most important questions that Roger Ebert in his review asks, you know, did you love someone that didn't exist in that case? Like, who is this guy now? Is he the guy that he's trying to be? Is he the yeah. guy that he was? Uh, that's a question that the film is definitely asking. And I I feel like they mostly give an answer at the end. mm um, with him sitting back down, his daughter making the table for him, and then just going to credits while he looks at his wife and his wife looks back. I felt like that was him, you know, saying that this is over, this is who I am now. But I like I can't be totally sure, and I don't think the film wants you to be totally sure. See, I th- interpreted that as his, his young daughter setting the table for him, is that she, um, you know, because she's this naive kid, she just accepts sure. him as her dad, and she doesn't really yeah. care. But there's there's a look there. What what did you make of the look between? I don't uh, know. That's Edie what's so interesting. That's why it's such an interesting place to fade to black. I mean, this it the is. other thing that's shocking <laughs> about this movie is how short it is. Sure, uh, it's barely clocking in at ninety minutes. So I was again. I can't believe I had such a foggy memory of the last half hour of this film. But I was kind of expecting more of an epilogue, and what we got was very ambiguous. I think so. Yeah. Um. I mean, I guess I'd like to say that his wife and his child, his children accept him and they continue to be to go on in their lives. But I don't know how you do like mm-hmm. this be so weird to find out that your dad killed a bunch of people and he's killed sure. some people in front of you. 
Yeah. The other thing that's weird about this movie that makes it feel more like an Aesop's fable than a real... And I I guess that's why I had a problem with some of the... Whether I thought these people were acting naturally or not. Mm. Is, um, you know, his son seems like he has the same kind of violent streak in him. Yeah. And when we meet his brother, who's played by William Hurt, and in a really fantastic role, he was nominated, and I can't remember, he actually won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor in 2005. Really? What about what Ed, about Ed Harris? Because Ed Harris does a phenomenal job in that as well. I, when I read that too, I thought, it's like, man, how do you pick those two guys? Yeah. I feel like that this maybe was further outside William Hurt's performance hmm. envelope. Okay, but Ed Harris's envelope is so big. That's the thing. He's so big. He can do anything. He can play American hero. He can play soldier. He can play cop. He can play villain, ruthless mafia guy. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, and he he seems like he's playing more and more menacing roles as he gets older. Yeah, that's fine. But yeah, I don't. I (laughs) I like me some menacing Harris. I don't. I don't mind that either. Um, But no, he did a really good job. I forget where I was going with this. Oh. When he meets his his brother, which I believe his name is Richie, mm-hmm. and he says, you know, you've always been troubled my entire life. You were always a crazy one. He talks about the Bob wire. It seems hard to believe a guy that hard triggered for violence can then go to Indiana and spend three years getting his life together. And his wife would never have seen that side of him. Yeah, like, it seems if that's that deeply ingrained, it'd be tough to Like, hide. having a bad day and some dude cuts you off in traffic, I feel like this this Joey guy would just... Get out the barbed wire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there there would have been... Uh, it seemed... The, the, the one thing I had a trouble with the movie, it, and that's why I thought that uh, the, his wife's reaction was a little weird, is that mm-hmm. I just... I, hard for me to believe that there were no... That this came as a complete surprise. Okay. Yeah, I can understand that criticism. If there is amnesia or whatever, this guy's essentially, yeah. cho- uh, you know, consciously chosen to live a different life, which is all well and good. But um, it just seems like that she would have. I, I thought the reactions would be more. Like, I always suspected something like this happened. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a good man or whatever, but you've got this like you know scary energy, scary intensity uh, to yeah. you at some point because he's so passive in the first part of the movie. I mean, he's just. I mean, even. Uh, really passive in the sex scene he has with her in the beginning. You know, she's riding him. She's making all the dances. He's just kind of like, oh, gosh, golly. Oh, I can't believe this is happening to me. And you, then yeah. then when he has a shootout in the front yard mm-hmm. and then they have that, like, really violent staircase sex, which I thought it was an interesting shot when we see her naked later on in the movie and you can see, like, how much abuse that put her by. It's like they basically... I joked oh, that it's like yeah, they yeah. fucked on a pile of baseball bats. I mean, they're just bruises and bumps all over like you would expect from a, having sex on a rickety old bare wood staircase. Sure. Got, got a little too much Morton skin for my taste in that scene, but <laughs> all right. No, but you see what I'm saying? It's like they intend – There's there would have to be some of that personality that would yes, come out in I, 17 years. I see what you're saying, and I, I think that's a valid criticism of the natural human – uh, reactions and the the human element in this, but ultimately that's that's not what Cronenberg is trying to do. No, like right? I said, I mean, it does feel like a morality play or a fable. It is, it is, and so I agree with you um, there. I think the the thing going back to his kid real quick at the the very end and his violent streak and everything. This idea of you know Darwinism or whatever you want to call it, where survival of the fittest really rules. Um, 
he has now passed that down to his kid. And that's kind of, that's, that's how it works in evolution. Um, you take the traits that have caused you to survive in this world, you pass them down to your offspring, therefore making them better equipped to survive. No, and I love now, that scene. that's a pretty bleak uh, outlook on humanity and what it takes to survive, I think, is that you have to have this streak in you, that those are the people who survive. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that's where I want humanity to go. I don't know if we need to preserve that part of us or if we're destined to preserve that part of us. Well, that's an interesting conversation because I, yeah. I lay awake at night and think about that sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. I really enjoy that we are living in a society that seems more and more progressive, more and more open to helping the, the weak and the powerless and giving you know, an ear to people in, in um, you know, uh, that, that don't have privilege or underprivilege in, in society. Mm-hmm. But I sometimes wonder like how easy it would be to swipe all that away because in the end, in the end, nature is red and tooth and claw and the, the strong do what they want and the weak bear what they must. And that manifests and only, itself in different ways. The only way that but... doesn't happen is by society all agreeing that, no, we are evolved and we are not going to do that anymore but it, that is a conscious rejection of every bit of evolutionary history that we're going through every it's day. It's exactly what we see in this movie. Yes. It's Tom rejecting the persona that is Joey. And I wonder, like... Trying through force of will to change it. And this movie yeah. very much says, uh, you're going to be dragged back into that. Yeah, and I've also got this theory about, like... You and know, you're not only going to be dragged back in, you're going to drag everybody else in, too. Right. There's been, like, study after study that shows that... The morality of liberals versus conservative is very similar. Like they all believe equality and they all believe roughly in equality and liberty and justice and they love their families and everything of that. The difference is um, how they interpret facts mm, okay. and, and how they see those things. And, and there's, there's got to – and I kind of sometimes wonder if our society – like we've evolved where some people have the liberal gene and some people have the conservative gene. And when times are – peaceful and plenty and the crops are good and the winters are mild uh we advance faster society by cooperating and being you know high-minded and liberal and but when things go badly that shit breaks down and can overall drag the herd down so i almost think that you that there that there's these cycles and like this is all kind of like not by design because obviously evolution is is a is a blind watchmaker but mm-hmm. We've developed these personality types that right now the one is ascendant, but, you know, we go through another world war or another giant famine or disease or a meteor strikes us and we need the survival of the fittest back in. That other gene becomes dominant and, you know, what will we lose in the next cataclysm if we have a cataclysm? I don't know. Sure. I think part of that, part of what this movie does is also portray that kind of snowball effect, right? I mean, it's something very small that ultimately ends up bringing him back into this world, yeah, revealing I, who he truly is. I was reading this article in Science about mm-hmm. um, turtles and how they have this amazing ability, especially like uh, sea turtles, ability to clot blood. Like you can lop a sea turtle arm off and throw him in the water. Like you and I, we'd die because our blood wouldn't clot in water. There's mm-hmm. clot almost instantly. And then there is this, uh, there's comments about people saying that old-time sailors and other aboriginal folk used to use sea turtles as living refrigerators. Like they'd fish them out of sea, they'd lop off a fin, 
still live, counting on that number one is metabolism low. They don't have to feed it. They don't have to worry about the watering it. It's not going to bleed to death. They'd make turtle soup. Next day, do the same thing next day until they finally slow. I mean, it's essentially kind of like the same thing in Walking Dead with Bob. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you can't store and keep meat. So you got this living refrigerator and people are like, that's horrible. That's essentially torture. And it's like, like, yeah, that's fine to say. But 10,000 years ago, you're just wanting to feed your family. If you found a just magical animal, you could lop off a piece and keep eating for a whole week. You do it. Yeah. Every one of us would fucking do that. Not give a shit about the, it's just the fact that we have refrigerators and we, we can ponder things like, I wonder what that's like for the the turtle. And if the turtles were smart enough to do it back then, they would have done it to us. Like my fucking house cat. If it was as, (laughs) if it was as big as me in relation to it, it would have killed me a long time ago because it just doesn't care. And Mm -hmm. there is a, that's a, a scary side of humanity. And every once in a while you see it in like, you know, uh, Rwanda and you see it in mm-hmm. Germany and you see it at like time and time in the Inquisition where you lose that veneer that we call civilization and it's just animal. Yeah. I mean, maybe, you know, the, my view of the end of this where I think what, what happens is he decides to be Tom. Um, but crucially it, he didn't just decide to be Tom. He had, he had to, to go kill every last motherfucker that wanted him dead and then he could be Tom. But, but I, but I, I view that as severing ties to the person he was before. F- cleaning house, by literally, by yes, his. literally killing the person he was before. Yeah, uh, I, that's how I read it, um, and maybe that's just you know the optimist to me wanting to see humanity succeed on some kind of base level, right? In in shirking the kind of violent nature of humanity and of all organisms. But that, planet, I think that honestly. proves my thesis. The only reason he had the ability to choose what kind of life he lived is because he was strong enough to make that happen it's true and if he, he was weaker, down to his son he and, could he would yeah. be he would have been killed and maybe his whole family had been killed he had to fight to and i think that's interesting you have you have to fight to return to this peaceful lifestyle yeah no it it's definitely one of those movies that does not give you the answer um, and is raising some very important and interesting questions. And those are the kind of movies that I really like. What did you think about uh, the end scene after he got done cleaning house at his brother's and he's like this almost baptism scene where he strips off his shirt oh. and he sinks to his knees and he starts washing himself in this this lake behind his brother's house? Uh, well, that... if, I, if I were going to read into it right now and try, try to support my theories that he's done with this life, I would say that that has some significance in that regard. It's literally a baptism. Yeah. He's washing away his old sins and yeah. going to do no more. Joey's gone. Tom is there to stay. Uh, I don't know. There's there's a lot of stuff in here. I mean, you talk about this film not being graphically violent, but there are a few scenes that are graphically violent. It is certainly graphically. Extremely gra- it's, it's graphically certainly graphically violent. violent. I'm saying like after a steady dose of Walking Dead, True Detective, Game of Thrones, it's less so. Well, I'm thinking about like the the scenes where they show you the carnage after he's killed someone, like the one dude's nose, nose is shoved into yeah into brain cavities, uh-huh. um, faces half blown off and dangling from their skulls. Sure, a uh, lot a lot of carnage and really graphic depiction of it. Sure, uh, those are the parts that really like I, they almost felt weird in this movie to me, like out of place, but. That How might so? be the reason they're there to shock. Because I felt like the the one difference is that there was not an ounce of glorification in any of this. Oh, I agree. Yeah, like I was expecting to feel. Uh, I did feel kind of triumphant when his son beat down that you know 
smirking. I mean, if, yeah. it was, if the movie was made 20 years ago, it'd be played by James Spader. Uh, <laughs> this, this smirking jock meathead yeah. guy. Antagonizing him for no reason other than yeah, he's weak. That, that felt good. But every, everything else was, uh, and I guess maybe the or, or the original thing in the diner, but everything else was very sad mm-hmm. and you know tragic. Yeah, and there are a lot of parallels between the the son and the father there. How um, so? I mean, well, he's this guy is perceived as weak, and I think uh, maybe Tom. His, his new persona was perceived as weak by Ed Harris, and Ed Harris was coming in and harassing him. Um, I felt like that was similar to the way his son was being harassed in school. Did you think it's weird how kind of playful the villains were, especially in the middle of the movie, where... Mm, no, I mean, having watched a lot of these mobster movies, I don't feel like that's necessarily out of place. Hmm. Like, they kind of feel invincible at a certain point. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when dealing with someone who isn't connected in the same way as they are. They might think that their status makes them untouchable. But, but it seemed like they drastically underestimated this guy. Uh, well, I agree, yeah. And even <laughs> at, towards the end, I thought it was almost ludicrous, his brother, after he watched this guy with his own uh, eyes take down three of his men in one room, and he couldn't shoot him. Other guy comes running in, he's like, let's just kill this fucker. I'm like, hmm. Really? Really? You you need to call the National Guard at this point. And I thought, like, yes, that uh-huh. was appropriate if they're dealing with a civilian, but they should have known. I mean, the only reason they found out that he was still around is because he killed two guys with with, with yeah. almost no problem. A and coffee I, pot. And I assume these guys were professional killers, and they knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that I, it felt like that they never took him serious throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh I, I kind of like that scene where he's like, um, you know, what what can I do to to end this once and for all? He's like, you can die. Yeah. And I he just turns around these. in his chair. Uh-huh. Uh, and you knew what was coming here. Sure. I mean, it's it's fairly obvious, but I thought like the style with which it was done was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can see, you know, it's almost cliched mm-hmm. the way you say you can die expecting the guy to die and you spin around in your chair. Yeah. A little Bond villain. Yeah. A little bit. Um, but then it doesn't go down that way. And I, I don't know. I liked it. Mm. A lot of scenes to like in this movie. I also like the, um, I mean, it's a fairly muted movie overall, but I, mm. from the point that he, uh, and his boy kill Ed Harris and his crew, the movie gets black yeah, like its palette is, it's his inky blackness. I mean, you really notice that the final, even when he goes back and sees his family, mm-hmm. uh, his whole house is now shrouded in darkness except for the dinner table, which is all lit up. You know, kind of yeah. almost spotlit. And I thought that that was a really cool um, touch too thematically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did too. And then the final thing is, um, I thought. I like the scene where he's confronting his boy about roughing that kid up at school. And, you know, he's talking about, we do not solve this, you know, we don't solve problems in this family by hitting. (laughs) And his boy says, no, we just shoot them. And then Vigo slaps him. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff I wish we'd saw more of because I felt that would have, I feel like that kind of stuff would have creeped up. Like there's, that that stuff would have crept up in his life before. That's exactly how I expected a guy like Joey is trying to hide his Tom to act. Sure. And but and the irony of it, right? The the of course hypocrisy of that's not how we solve our problems, and then immediately doing that. Sure, 
is very apparent. Yes, it's a muted film, but it's punctuated with just in, just the right emotion and just the right amount of violence. It's very uh, watch. It's very and watchable, sexuality and, and it does it does have all this stuff that. But it's strangely like the only time we see nudity, it's the most non sexual nudity. Yeah, two two sex scenes in this film. No nudity during the sex scenes. Uh huh. And then boom, you just get a full on frontal. Right, right. And there's like the there's the like kind of hot sex at the beginning, but it's very not passionate. And then you've got the very uh violent aggressive sex that is got a lot of passion and then and I thought that was kind of interesting, but there's it's not really none of it was really erotic. No, not really. Um so I don't know. Um <laughs> it was a great film. I shameful in my lack of Cronenberg. I've only seen like three or four of his movies. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen Eastern Promises, this one, The Fly, and Scanners. Wow. Think that's it. See, I've only seen The Fly. That's mm. it. Which was excellent. Right. Part Partly due to uh, Jeff Goldblum's performance. No, and, and reading his Wikipedia article, he's done a lot of really ambitious stuff that uh, I want to go and kind of catch up on because he's, yeah, he's one of the, of the great directors. He's one that I have the least experience in, in dealing with. Yeah. All right, I think that's going to do it. Yeah. No, thanks to Keith for uh, commissioning this sucker. Uh, I probably never would have revisited this, this movie because it's not like it's something I, I thought about a lot. I saw it once, and I remember uh, I remember being horrified by the violence first time I saw it because <laughs> uh, I was the opposite of desensitized. And yeah. even watching today, it's like I remember remarking, it's like, man, I did not expect to feel this tense at 11.30 on a Friday morning. <laughs> Because uh, it is, uh, it's also a thriller. There is a there is yeah. a lot of really effective sus- suspense when you're really trying to figure out who the nature of Tom is and this threat to his family and Ed Harris driving by in his car. He's really menacing and uh, yeah, man. When he takes his sunglasses off, he's got that eye. It's mm-hmm. it is. Uh, it's, it's not totally else. dead. It can see Joey. It can see right through him. <laughs> see him down to his core. Yeah, so thanks to Keith for commissioning this. If somebody wants to commission a podcast, how do they do that? Uh, you know, I don't know. Oh, come on. It's on our website. Is it club.baldmove.com? Can you do that? Uh, no, but you can go to sh- baldmove.com slash shop. Ah, because it used to... Or, I, or click the support link and go to the shop. You can sure, there. sure. And uh, there, there's a, something in the cart where you can uh, pull that thing down. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've got a quite a few in the hopper. We've got like seven or eight in the hopper still left to go. We're going to be trying to bang them out uh, at a pretty steady clip going forward. So yeah, uh, and there's a lot of cool, cool stuff to look forward to. Um, that's about it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a uh, it's, it's, it's pretty good, uh, pretty pretty good wrap up of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I got to watch this movie because, like you, it's something I, I wouldn't have visited even once because the name is not particularly interesting to me. Um, yeah. History of violence, I don't know. Sounds sounds almost like a gang thing to me because mm-hmm. I'm associating with American History X, which I shouldn't, and it's nothing like that. But No, <laughs> it, it is a much more it, – it seems like it's a straightforward revenge flick. It does on the surface. And it is kind of a inverted form of revenge flick. Mm. Um, it's like a, instead of going out and doing a bunch of killing to get vengeance, it's like you're going out and doing a bunch of killing so you can finally be at peace. Yep. All right. Thanks again to Keith, and we'll see you next time. All right. Bye-bye.